and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Pastor Jaren conclude our series Going Deeper, which has been an in-depth study on the book of Ephesians. We pray that as you listen to the word, it will help you continue to walk in faith and boldly take your stand in the world. Hello everyone. It uh, is good to be back with you after what seems like a long pause at least for me. We have had a long 3 weeks with things that have been happening at home and with my dad being in the hospital and everything, but I am very grateful that uh, I get to come back and share what God has speak through us through his scripture and I am looking forward to this. So before I start, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer and then uh, we will proceed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this moment that we can gather and uh, gather in your name, Lord, that we can do that in freedom here, that we can do that in safety here. And we are so grateful for you who has brought us together as this community of faith at Zion, Lord. Father, we ask that you would give me the words to speak, that I would put myself aside, that I would put aside my motives and my words lord and that i would uh, listen to you and choose to speak what you're giving me to speak lord so father give me words to speak and help us to gain what you have for us from your scripture lord and uh, let it penetrate our hearts um, lord and uh, let it really go deep and let it change our lives father so father we ask this in the name of your son jesus amen so I get to cap off this uh, series we've been doing on Ephesians. Uh, it has really been. I got to start it off, and I see how wonderfully everyone has uh, contributed to it with uh, Tina and Gershom taking over in the middle. So I get to do chapter six and kind of round off the series. Um, so <clears throat> the beginning of chapter six continues with this ideas of like Christian living and Christian instruction. um Gershom covered last week about uh, the household rules and stuff husbands and wives so the first part of chapter 6 uh, covers uh, children and slaves so children is something all of us are familiar with slaves really at least slaves in the traditional sense don't exist in our society um uh, exist necessarily in a way that is uh, rampant i guess or normal i know that there are people in bondage and slavery throughout the world right now uh but in terms of mass uh, slavery uh however like we will talk about those things and then uh, the famous portion of scripture the armor of god is in this last chapter of Ephesians um i'm and then the cha- end of chapter 6 is uh, paul's like final greeting and goodbye uh, probably not spend a lot of time on that because i really want to hit the hit up on the first two major portions where it talks about children slaves and then the armor of god so we're going to read this a portion at a time and then we'll go into it uh, like we've been doing so ephesians chapter 6 uh, verses 1 uh, <clears throat> through 4 read uh, children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you that you may enjoy long life on earth 
fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So, chapter 6 starts out right away. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, so, children obeying parents is kind of like a cornerstone of most cultures. Everyone expects children to obey your parents. I don't think I've come across a culture where there is not an expectation for children to be obedient. Um, so children being obedient to their parents uh, oh, was an expectation in this uh, first century um, culture that this scripture was written to. So why mention it at all if it was an expectation, right? So here I learned something interesting that even though this was an expectation, uh, Paul is kind of giving a Christian like theological reason for what this is. So children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So <clears throat> obeying your parents is right even when you're in relationship with Christ. So it is uh, not something that uh, goes away when you come into God's family. Uh, the It is a right thing to do, to obey your parents and the Lord. Now, there is still this, I mean, it. there is a qualifier, right? Obey your parents in the Lord. It's not saying obey your parents yeah, when they want you to sin or something like that. It is obey your parents in the Lord. It is uh, obey your parents <clears throat> in what is right in the eyes of the Lord. So, and uh, <clears throat> so it was again, like I mentioned, it was adding a Christian, um, godly or theological emphasis on something that was expected, and also saying that this was right even in the eyes of God that children should obey their parents um, and it goes on to add that um, taken from the commandments that were given uh, honor your father and mother it'll go well with you that you may enjoy long life on earth so <clears throat> which is the first commandment with the promise it says so now it was uh, I read a little bit about this um, when God gave this command to the people of Israel, it was uh, adding this that it will go well with you. It was him telling them that this will, children obeying their parents will maintain a good society, maintain good order, and that it will lead to long, beneficial life or a stable society or a fulfilling society. So, um, that's what I got from that. But keeping it simple, children obey your parents in the Lord. So again, not children obey your parents <clears throat> if they tell you do something that is not of the Lord. Okay, it is children obey your parents in things that are of the Lord. So uh, another thing that was very interesting is uh, Paul's use of the word children in. Uh, first century Roman culture or called the culture in Ephesus or just that culture in general, um, the, the children that would have been addressed would have been sons. If this was not Paul writing, it probably would have said 
sons obey your parents because sons were the one sons were who were parents invested into their sons um daughters weren't really expected to get an education or do anything uh, most daughters once they were capable were taught were taught to uh, do household chores and that was the extent of uh, that so but the fact that the paul uses the word children is significant because he's addressing both boys and girls there is no distinction in christianity or one is better than the other it is uh, they are both equal boys and girls your daughters and sons are both equal uh, there is no <clears throat> one is better or the other so it is a small w- word with a deeper meaning that the fact that he uses children and not sons where he doesn't see a distinction in christianity between your daughters or your sons so um <clears throat> fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord so <clears throat> um this was the one that kind of spent a lot of time on because i am a father uh another translation says fathers do not provoke your children my wife likes to remind me of that a lot uh jaren do not provoke your children uh it is always a very good reminder because i need it because uh, there are moments where yeah, me as a father think oh, it's funny to <coughs> excuse me do something to annoy my child or irritate my child because i might think it's funny but my child certainly does not think it's funny uh so so it's kind of funny that i am doing this and my wife constantly reminds me of this um but why mention this fathers do not exasperate your children fathers do not provoke your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord so <clears throat> the general idea of uh, fatherhood during this uh, first century time was uh, fathers were harsh uh, that's the word that i saw that was repeated so fathers were harsh uh, it was not a loving nurturing thing it was a uh, fathers were harsh so fathers were harsh on their children and <clears throat> fathers uh, had control over their household even into their old age um, many times the father was the ultimate authority until he passed uh so this uh, so fathers were seen as harsh uh, is so that's the word that best describes it they were seen as harsh uh, they were seen as uh, um people that uh, had their way and that people who had absolute power and absolute control over the lives of uh, the family uh, so so the fact that paul mentions that fathers do not exasperate or provoke is a very important thing so he's telling fathers that under this uh, under christianity under christ that this has to change that uh, fathers don't provoke your child instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord so it is uh, he's giving them almost like these uh, new instructions that uh, harshness is not how you raise your child but uh, discipleship is how you raise your child because bringing them up in the training and instruction of the lord can really be seen as a 
discipleship thing or a nurturing thing. So he is uh, having them change their perspective on how they parent from a harsh mentality to one of nurture and discipleship. Uh, so, <clears throat> and my plan was to share how um, <laughs> we parent and then the moment those thoughts of me sharing about how about how we personally parents started creeping into my mind i could i i heard god remind me that to journey as always is stick to the text stick to the scripture right so we're going to stick to the scripture i'm going to save you from my talk on parenting but we are going to talk about what that nurture and discipleship might mean for our own personal parenting right so um parenting is nurturing our children parenting is discipling our children and when i think of parenting and when i think of discipleship the thing that comes to my mind <clears throat> always is grace i think what uh, what we can get from this year is that our parenting should be filled and overflowing with grace that uh, grace should be the guiding principle of our parenting of our discipline of however we deal with our children uh, grace should be that guiding principle grace and mercy so <clears throat> just like how god would uh, deal with us with in grace and mercy as he disciplines us the same way i think we should parent our children in that uh, we grace and mercy are at the foreground of how we treat our children of how we pray on our children and <clears throat> like our keep going with this our homes should really be I mean sanctuaries for our children um the when our children leave our homes um there is enough in this world to um show them that or to make them feel inadequate to shame them or to blame them for anything uh but our, our christian homes should be a sanctuary for our children away from all that when they come into our homes i think what we can get from this is that our home should be different to what is outside if the outside is harsh our homes should be a sanctuary and a re- and a respite from that if uh, whatever difficulty your child is going through outside of your home if there is uh, <clears throat> any kind of shaming or blaming or teasing or anything our homes should be a nurturing place meaning they should be a sanctuary from all that where they can come and rest and be free of that so and then so moving on to this uh, topic of slaves so this is um, chapter 6 verses 5 through Nine, um, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever job they do. whether they are slave or free and masters treat your slaves in the same way do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him
So we come to this idea of slaves and masters. Okay, so the first he addresses the slaves. So obey your earthly masters um, uh, with fear and sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Uh, obey them not just when they're looking at you, but uh, an obedience that comes from the heart. So just not, uh, I guess, uh, we may call it what eye service, maybe that when someone's eyes on you, you're working when their eyes are off, um, you are uh, not working, fooling around, doing something right. So and then uh, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So <clears throat> this, <clears throat> as I was reading, the prevailing idea, maybe stereotype is that uh, slaves were lazy, not good workers, and that uh, masters were ruthless or very, very strict. So um, slavery in this first century world wasn't really uh, based on ethnicity or class. Uh, it was uh, more, people estimate maybe about one third of all people during this time here uh, could have been slaves. Uh, yeah, you could uh, become a slave just so you could have income, you could become a slave, sell yourself, and so you could get out of debt. Um, those was probably some of the, I guess, nicer ways if there's really something you could say that. Um, there were more drastic <clears throat> ways people could get into slavery, prisoners of war could become slaves, fathers could sell their daughters into slavery. Uh, that was common, that happened. Uh, so, it was not a class or an ethnic thing. It was a thing that anyone could uh, become one uh, to get out of debt or just to find a better life somewhere else. People could be, I mean, like you could sell your daughters into it. So it was more of a very thing than what we may think of slavery. And um I mean, there are references where some slaves were loved and they were just part of the family like anybody else. But um, <clears throat> there are others, I mean, lots of other records where they were treated poorly. But <clears throat> here, I think what Paul is asked, saying is that uh, serve your master as you would do Christ, right? So do not just do something for the sake of showing that you're doing something when someone's looking at you. But really, when you serve, serve with your heart, serve wholeheartedly, serve as you would serve Jesus. And um, so he's, I guess, kind of um, pointing them, I guess, you could in a different direction, not that don't let them perceive you as lazy, maybe, but let them see that you are wholeheartedly working. And that you have their benefit in mind when you are, as you are serving them by working for them. And then he tells the masters, treat uh, your slaves in the same way as in, do not threaten them since you know that uh, who is both their master and yours is in heaven. So he's telling the master, masters that whether slave or master, at the end, both of you serve the same master, right? So, and that master doesn't see slave or master so he is changing their perspective and he says don't threaten them right so <clears throat> because slaves were seen as lazy uh, the 
only way, I guess, or, or the primary way that, uh, I guess, discipline was dealt was through threatening or through a physical kind of discipline. Um, masters really had ultimate control over the slaves to the point where masters could put their slaves to death, uh, crucify them even, so or have them beaten. So there was so they really were property and the master could really do whatever he wanted with the slaves that he owned. So so for the slaves that were probably not in those unique situations where they were loved and part of the family, it was a difficult situation because uh, things could change at any time. You were subject to cruel things probably um, based on what the master perceived you as. So <clears throat> he is asking masters to, again, change course, right? You are a part of Christ's family now. So there has to be a way to do things differently. <clears throat> Just like he's telling the saves, since you're part of our, God's family, there's to be a way to do things differently. The master, since you're part of God's family, there's to be a way to do things differently. <clears throat> because at the end, <clears throat> there is really no distinction. One is not better than the other. We are all serve the same king, the same master. So things have to be different. And then, so now we're moving on to the next uh, big chunk, <clears throat> which is verses 6, uh, 10 through 20, right? The armor of God passage. So I'm going to read Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, for whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Okay, so <clears throat> kind of split it into two general parts. One is the whole armor part, and the second part is the prayer part. So the armor of God passage starts with, okay, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So be strong in the Lord, okay? Put on the armor of God so that you may take a stand against the devil's schemes. So, <clears throat> and it goes on to say that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the 
rulers and principalities, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So <clears throat> Paul lays it out very simply, right? Stand firm in the Lord and his might be power. So stand firm in the Lord is standing in God's strength, as in God will provide the strength to stand. Okay. And then putting on the full armor of God. This is, I think you can see it a couple different ways, but they all make the same kind of sense to me. Like it's, this is an armor that God is providing that you're putting on or God itself is the armor or in the Old Testament, there is imagery where God wears armor and it is, could be God's own armor that he's giving to you. Whatever, any way you see it, it's still God giving us something that we are putting on as we stand against the, <clears throat> it says against the devil's schemes. So the purpose <clears throat> of the armor is to stand against something. And uh, what we are standing against seems to be <clears throat> more spiritual uh, than anything physical. Um, as we talk about this, I want to maintain some balance because just in my experience, um, I think what I've seen is there might be two extremes when we talk about uh, evil or spiritual forces or the devil. Um, there is one extreme where many times um, when one could pray, uh, everything is uh, rebuking the devil. So we call it praying, but the person's name that is mentioned the most is the devil, not God. Uh, so <clears throat> that's really on one extreme, maybe not a very healthy emphasis. Uh, <clears throat> on the other, maybe just an ignorance <clears throat> on one end where we may not even realize that God has an enemy and as we are God's people, he's our enemy too. And he plotting or scheming uh, against us. So <clears throat> uh, rather than having these two extremes where on one side we almost attribute all of God's uh, properties to the devil like omnipresent and, omni and omnipotent and stuff like that because we think he's almost involved in every single thing and modern lives so often that we spend so much time focusing on him. Or another extreme where there's no focus at all. I think as we talk through this passage, find a healthy balance. So from the passage, it's clear that <clears throat> there is a spiritual side to our life that is against us. So the God's enemy and whoever his party is um, are against God's people. So, and <coughs> many of you may have experiences where you can look at certain experiences in your life and you can point a finger and say, in that experience, I am certain that it was something more spiritual than any kind of random um, <clears throat> human events happening that were unfortunate. I think me and my wife were talking a couple of days ago and the three weeks that we have gone through, um, a part of it definitely seems this way where there is a spiritual element to it versus just something happening because of a series of events or something. So, <clears throat> so 
what do we do, right? We put on this armor of God to stand against it, right? We So put on the armor. This is, putting on the armor is not uh, putting on the armor because I know this battle is coming, so I'm going to get ready. Or putting on the armor because I know this spiritual attack is going to happen, so I'm going to get ready by putting on the armor. Uh, put on the armor is a constant, okay? Is it, it is a constant, continual thing in this text. It is not one-time events here and there where we put it on and do the battle or stand against for that moment and then take it off, okay? God's armor is constantly worn by us or should be constantly worn by us. It is a continual thing, day in, day out, constantly worn. It is not something you take off for certain things and put back on. It is a continual process. <clears throat> so, and then, <clears throat> so what are these things that... Uh, he mentions that we can put on that helps us stand against uh, these forces or helps us stand against God's enemy, the evil one, right? So therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done so, do stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness. So belt of truth, truth in this case, what is truth? Um, it seems that it stands for speaking the truth. And what is the truth that we speak? The one main truth is the gospel that we have that we can share with anybody or the gospel that God sent his own son to earth to redeem us. So the truth, right? So the thing that we girdle ourselves with, the thing that's buckled around the waist, the things that is... Um, First thing mentioned, the key to us is the gospel. Um, so, so the gospel is part of this armor. And then the breastplate of righteousness. Um, righteousness could just be, could, um, one aspect of it is the, the way we act, that uh, we as Christians act in right ways, that we are in right standing, that our acts are righteous. Um, so that is one. The other aspect also is that God has made us righteous, right? So we have that righteousness as well. And then uh, with our feet fitted, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Uh, peace doesn't seem to be like a thing that a soldier would be thinking of when he is putting on armor to go to battle, right? Uh, but uh, the way... We as Christians do battle is different. So peace is a part of that. And in addition, take up the shield of faith, <clears throat> which will extinguish all flaming arrows. So shield of faith. Faith here is that faith that uh, you had that led you to accept the gospel when it was um, presented to you. The faith that uh, you have in God that he is true and what he says endures. So this faith that will extinguish all the errors is what will keep whatever the enemy throws at you off because you have that steadfast faith that uh, no matter what errors are coming, that what God has said is true, that you believe the truth, that God is true and that uh, he is... Uh, 
the truth. So <clears throat> the aspect that faith that um, you have is your shield and that faith that you have, the belief that you have is uh, one of the things that can extinguish anything that the enemy throws at us. Because even with what we've gone through the past three weeks, uh, no matter how difficult things have gotten, um, we were always able to hold on to that faith, that hope, right? That no matter what, uh, what we believe in is true. Like no matter what happens, we know we have put our faith in the one true God. We have put our faith in <clears throat> the one true God who is certain no matter what happens to us. So, and then, uh, and that has really helped us because as we've gone through this time, um, thoughts come up, right? Uh, that why is this happening or something like that. So, but with our hope, we're able to look past those thoughts and stand firm. So, and then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, this, anytime I hear sword of the spirit, word of God, my mind automatically goes to scripture. Uh, interesting enough, when this was written, scripture wasn't compiled like it is now. This what we have as scripture was compiled much later on. Again, here, the word of God is the gospel. The sword of the spirit is the gospel. It's the gospel message, the gospel message that transformed our lives. Uh, so this sword is the gospel message that can transform anyone's lives. So <clears throat> as we go through all these pieces of armor, um, what comes to my mind is just uh, armor. Is, this armor is us putting on all the things that our faith holds true as right and good, uh, truth and righteousness and um, the gospel message and peace and salvation. So it is uh, almost another reminder that we see echoed through Ephesians that we are in Christ, right? So if we are in Christ, this armor makes so much sense because all of this would be relevant for us as we are in Christ because these are the things that would be on our mind as we are in Christ. So it's almost as if you're just putting on uh, Christianity in a sense as uh, armor. But these are the things that as we are constantly acknowledging them uh, daily that would really help us stand against any kind of scheme of the enemy of the evil one. Um, I mean, the schemes come in many different ways, right? Um, it doesn't always have to be a tragic life event or a sickness, right? Maybe many times when you think of spiritual battles, uh, our minds automatically go to these large events, uh, either something that's tragic or something that is painful or something that uh, is sickness related that would something that disrupts our life we immediately go to that but many times the schemes of the devil are very 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 subtle to almost think make you think you're doing something that is right but it is not <clears throat> okay like i as i was reading preparing uh, I read a phrase, it said, uh, 
you can always stray into sin, but you can't stray into righteousness. Uh, so it is a, it was a reminder that uh, the schemes of the evil one uh, can, in a way, are, are fashioned so you are able to stray into them. Almost sometimes uh, when we don't think too much about it, there is, you can stray. But being righteous, meaning putting on the armor, it's, it's, it's an intentional decision to do that. So, <clears throat> and one thing to think about here, here, right, to find balance on the spiritual thing. Our enemy, the evil one, is a defeated enemy, right? Uh, one funny, very interesting phrase I heard was, any schemes of the enemy right now, he is defeated, but any schemes that he is a part of are like counterinsurgency kind of deal, just trying to come and disrupt our life, right, that God has established. So developing a awareness that uh, we do have an enemy and that uh, anytime he has a scheme that might affect our life, uh, it may come to us in a very, in a form that it feels almost right, but it is so wrong. Uh, temptation many times comes this way where you almost feel no check when you take part in it a little bit the first time. And then, uh, then you're in deep and then your life is turned upside down, right? So, again, so as we move on from this, just want to make sure we live in a place where we find a balance about how we are not putting an overemphasis on the devil being fully active in our lives and always causing harm or in another way, not really being aware at all, but a healthy balance where uh, we acknowledge that he's defeated, but he's an enemy that wants to disrupt life. So he is he can scheme and <clears throat> being aware of his schemes. And the way we stand against his schemes is by putting on this armor of God, which is not a take put on take off armor. It is a constant armor because we are to continually wear it, because that's how we can stand, right? And also, you never know when the scheme is coming through. It's not that we could know it's happening day after tomorrow, so I put on my armor, right? It is a constantly prepared stand. <clears throat> and then moving on, so pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. <clears throat> Pray in the Spirit. Okay, so many times pray in the Spirit is synonymous with praying in tongues. Um, praying along with the Spirit almost, or praying as the Spirit does. Um, it is this, most of the time when we just pray, it seems more like requests and petitions. 
but when we pray in the spirit or pray along, it is it kind of moves beyond these requests and petitions. It moves outside of us uh, to what is uh, what to what is not inward focused at all, but it is all outward focused because, like <clears throat> it says, uh, keep be alert, always be keep on praying for all the Lord's people, right? So <clears throat> there is this um, connection between praying in the Spirit on all occasions and praying for all the Lord's people here. So it is praying the Spirit is a, it, it's, it is praying in such a way that uh, it is no longer this prayer for us in the sense of a request or a petition for the things that we need, but moving beyond to uh, praying with the Spirit for us as well as the people around us. Um, going back to tongues. So if you do speak in tongues, I think it is a great gift that God has given you that uh, you can practice as you pray in the Spirit or as a way to get praying in the Spirit. If you do not speak in tongues, perfectly okay. Um, praying in the spirit at the time would be you spending time in prayer and seeking God and the Holy Spirit to guide you in prayer, to guide you to move on from the daily requests we have to how can you be praying. And the Holy Spirit that is in you will certainly guide you through that and that to pray in the spirit. <clears throat> so, At, even at the end of the day, whatever your idea of praying in the Spirit is, the main thing here is pray. Pray, keep on praying, constantly pray. Pray, 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 right? It, praying here goes along with putting on the armor. Prayer, because <clears throat> everything in our faith is in relation to God, is in relation to Jesus, right? So as that relationship deepens, these things will become more evident in our lives. So everything is in relation. So <clears throat> that's why prayer is so important because prayer is us communicating with our King, communicating with our Father, communicating with our Savior. So <clears throat> prayer, people say change is the only constant. For Christians, prayer should be the only constant. Um I had a professor in college that had a saying, and he only said it once, and it stuck with me for the rest of my life. He he said, I don't pray for more than 10 minutes, but I don't go 10 minutes without praying. It When he first said it, I probably didn't really understand it, but as I have grown, it I realized how profound it was that he did not go longer than 10 minutes without having some kind of communion with God in conversation. And that if you are <clears throat> if you are not going more than 10 minutes without praying, uh, like how many requests can you really make just for yourself, right? Every 10 minutes. Like it, I'm guessing, was such an outward-focused uh, prayer life that he would constantly be praying. So I think... 
is just a good example in my mind. I've always held on to that. Maybe it's something that will speak to you. So just, <clears throat> just to recap, um, Ephesians 6. So we talked about, uh, we read about uh, children being obedient, fathers do not exasperate, and then we talked about slaves and masters, and we talked about putting on the armor and uh, praying. Again, like from what Gershom uh, covered uh, rules for Christian household and stuff like that. Our, our Christian life should look different, right? That's why there are these guidelines that Paul has written. That's why he's telling slaves and masters, hey, things should look different now because you are in Christ. Children, fathers, things should look different now because you're in Christ, okay? And then, but now that you're in Christ, you will face opposition. The devil is scheming, right? He wants to disrupt things. So how to stand against that opposition is putting on this armor and it's truth and righteousness and salvation and the gospel and peace. All these things that uh, <clears throat> make no sense as armor, but they are armor for us because uh, those are the things that we hold on to so we can stand firm when there are attacks or when there are schemes being plotted against us. And one thing that we are to constantly do is pray. Uh, that is one thing that even in my personal life this past three weeks, I was telling as different events unfolded over the past three weeks, um, I was telling myself, okay, now I have to go pray. Uh, it was almost a sad thing because it wasn't in me telling myself, okay, let me continue praying. No, it was uh, let me go pray for this now because I really hadn't prayed at all or had this uh, discipline of praying. So that was something that really hit home for me, that I, I have to make a change in my life to where anytime something happens, it's not, a, okay, let's pray, but it's, a, okay, let's continue to pray, and we'll include this and that. So it was just something that happened to me this past three weeks. But I think just uh, rounding it off, the past few verses is Paul letting people know that Tychicus is bringing this letter and that he is giving us uh, final greetings and giving them a doxology and goodbye. But I think we covered the meat of chapter 6. Um, I really enjoyed opening Ephesians and rounding it off. Uh, I think it's been a great series for us here at Zion. And anyone that's listened, I think God has really, he's definitely used it to impact my life because there have been um, changes that I've had to introduce how uh, based on life events and how things have come out of the text. So I'm grateful that God has led us on this journey uh, through this wonderful small book. So um, I'm going to uh, end us off with a word of prayer and uh, I hope you guys have a great Sunday. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for bringing us through this series, Lord. Thank you for the words that you have given. Uh, thank you for the changes that you brought around, uh, brought about in our lives through your word. And we are so grateful for your scripture. We're grateful for your text. Thank you that is in our lives uh, to show us who you are. Lord. And uh, again, Lord, Thank you for giving us uh, the safety. Thank you for giving us uh, the freedom to gather here to listen to your word. 
to know that uh, you are care for us and that uh, you are working in us and that uh, you are the one that's threatening us and you are the one that's providing the armor Lord, so we can stand so lord uh, as we're ending this um, series on Ephesians we ask that you would help us stand firm and that you would help us to pray constantly in the spirit in the name of your son Jesus we pray amen thanks for listening to this message we hope you were blessed to hear more messages like this make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes if you like what you are hearing consider rating us subscribing and even sharing it with friends that would really help us for more content from we are zion and to connect with us go to weazion.in remember whoever finds jesus finds life